This episode may include sensitive stories, topics, or themes that may be difficult to hear. Please take care of yourself and your well-being should something arise for you. Welcome to the latest episode of Punk Therapy, Psychedelic Underground Neural Kindness. I'm Dr. T, working on my PhD. And I'm the Truth Fairy, coming to you from the underground. Together we hope to inspire integrity, courage, kindness, creativity and rigor in the fast-growing industry of psychedelic healing. Right, welcome everyone to another episode of Punk Therapy. I am thrilled to be in conversation with Shirley DeVere, a legend and expert in the field of touch psychotherapy and psychedelic psychotherapy. Uh, the truth fairy expresses her regrets. She's not able to join us um, today for this recording. Hey, truth, we're sad that you're not here. Hopefully you can make it next time. You know, something that really inspires me about doing work with psychedelics is the you know it's just the sheer depth of the work and you know it really on the surface of it you might think that psychedelic work and touch work are just complete opposites you know what um humphrey osmond when he coined the term psychedelic he said to fathom hell or soar angelic just take a pinch of psychedelic and i think in the in the media it's very much you know propagated this idea that psychedelics are this in, incredible tool of cosmic expansion and um it's left less often talked about how deeply uh, they can bring us into contact with this world and this life and this body and these people around us and so there's a relationship between psychedelics and touch and that is what i would like to explore today but before we sort of launch into that i want to formally introduce shirley devere shirley is the founder and lead teacher of relational somatic healing She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and is currently wor uh, working on her PhD at the California Institute for Integral Studies in Somatic Psychology. And the focus of this PhD is on the safe use of touch in psychotherapy. Shirley earned her MA in Transpersonal Counseling Psychology from JFK University and studied a Bachelor in Social Work from Haifa University in Israel. Shirley has taught for over a decade now in uh, Hakomi at the Hakomi Institute of California, JFK University, the California Institute for Integral Studies, as well as the Shiluf Center in Tibon, Israel. Um, Shirley has lots of experience su supervising associates and, and mentoring other practitioners into, into their practice and has been practicing psychotherapy since the late 1990s in a variety of contexts and different agencies as well as private practice work. Um, and her experience and her training is in a variety of different modalities, including psychodynamic work, attachment work. EMDR, sensory motor trauma therapy, the Enneagram, family therapy, craniosacral work, and body mind centering with um, the Bonnie, the famous Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, who I watched a couple of videos recently, uh, a real character in this work. And her, Shirley's main work today uh, focuses on healing relational wounds with safe embodied touch 
and her spiritual practice and meditation supports how she holds her work and her teaching. Um, and her private practice is based in Berkeley, California. And so, yeah, today is just a bit of a freestyle exploration between us two fellow psychedelic and touch nerds. Welcome, Shirley. Thank you so much. It's always kind of a embarrassing to hear all the stuff about you when when i'm being interested <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's an awkward uh, experience isn't it it's it lovely yeah. Like, oh yeah i do i do all of those things <laughs> yeah thank you so much for for joining us today and for a conversation and you know when i read your paper uh that you published recently that that's now out and available for for listeners yes yes yeah. it is mm -hmm. Wonderful. So yeah. yeah, Shirley's just published a, um, a chapter in a book. The book is called Integral Psychedelic Therapy. And the chapter is called Relational Touch in Psychedelic Assisted Therapy. And it's a co-authorship between Jackie Hull and Shirley Devere. So you can check that out and have a read. Yeah. When I read it myself, I just thought, yes, thank you. You have uh, provided an excellent synthesis. And uh, honestly, like I said to you earlier, I wish I could just take that chapter and plonk it into my PhD. You've done a, you know, you've done such a, a great job of, of synthesizing that. So uh, actually, I have a, one of my first questions that I have for you, Shirley, because, you know, and this is for my fellow. Let me just say thank you to um, Jason, Genesee and uh, Richard for editing the book and, and supporting and encouraging us to write this chapter. Yeah, one of my first uh, questions for you, and this is for me and for any of my fellow social workers out there listening in, is just about your history as a social worker and this transition from the field of social work into this the spheres of healing work and touch-based work. And, you know, do you, do you still consider yourself a social worker in those spaces or do you feel you've transitioned out of that? You know, what's that history for you? Well, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I started as a social worker um I, I knew there is something else that I'm missing. I, it was it was just a step into the healing world for me. And I only did it for a few years and then I moved to California and studied um transpersonal psychology and then somatic psychology. But the transpers the social work was a really good step first step for me to learn about the systems, learn about uh, working with people that I would probably never meet otherwise, Lo working with um, Holocaust survivors, working with children at risks. So I, I'm very grateful for that experience. It was um, very rewarding for me. And I was looking for other ways. I knew there's other ways to heal. And I knew that it's not like completely there for me. It was just kind of a, a first step for me. And then I, I went to California to find it, to find my way, my path. And I started with transpersonal psychology and then moved to somatic psychology. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. I feel, I feel myself to be on a similar path. And yeah, because I studied a master's of social work a little while ago, back in 2016, um, and have been kind of moving into this realm of healing and psychedelic work. And I'm very much of the belief that um, social work has a really central role in, in the psychedelic field, exactly because of that sort of systems thinking that you mentioned, that we are sort of professionals that are trained in thinking holistically and thinking about the sort of psychosocial domain and 
yeah, it seems to me that psychedelics operate in that space as well. I'm, I'm mainly just excited that I've got a fellow social worker who's in this field doing this kind of work. I have a question for you, which, you know, when I was reading, you know, your paper, you mentioned how um, touch was considered an essential part of medicine until the pharma revolution in the 70s. And I'm just really curious to know more about that, if you're happy to share a little bit about the history of touch from your research. I don't have a lot to share about that. Just to say that in the ancient days, when you look at our ancestors and how they healed, they didn't use pills or medication or they used touch and they went to the the village healer midwife um, to be healed there and to, to receive some healing there. So I think that the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical uh, revolution that happened, which has a, had a place, t- took away all the wisdom of the, of the tribal community way of healing. We kind of left out completely on the other side of everything we have like let's go to the to the peel and like and how about we slow it down and say wait there is uh, there's so many ways that we can work with this and not necessarily go to the medication or to the pills right away but there is so many other ways to heal and let's go back to the human to human connection and human to human community healing too it was it was so necessary to invent all, all those incredible medicines, but it also took us away from community and from human to human interaction. And we're missing it badly in, in our culture today. I think it's important to bring it back, back, especially in healing work and psychotherapy, to bring it back to like, you're okay, you're just missing this human to human interaction. I'm jumping into a case right now. I hope it's okay. Um, there's a 27 year old that comes to me and depressed, really, really depressed. It doesn't know what he wants to do and all that. First, I thought I sent him to a psychiatrist to receive some medication and they didn't help. And then I said, let's just let it go. And we are working with ketamine together. And it's, it's not a medication that he needed. It's the human interaction. It's the listening. It's the touch work. It's, and also, of course, the ketamine work that I'll talk about it soon. Um, but it's, it's what we really need is our is come back to the original way of healing. We're not machines. We're still human. We still need that touch to touch, the eye to eye, the right brain to right brain kind of interactions uh, to heal. How do we integrate that? When we need antidepressants, it's great. When we need antibiotic, it's great. But but it's not always needed. Yes. Yeah. I really, I really resonate with what you're saying. And I've, I've heard somebody describe it once before as like the, the left hand and the right hand path of healing. One is this sort of medical system that is brilliant at dealing with acute problems. And when, you know, things are really a bit more urgent, you know, that's, you want to go to the hospital, they'll sort you out. If you were in a car accident or you got a severe infection or et cetera, um, and, and even lesser things. But then, yeah, if, uh, if, <laughs> if you need healing, if, you need, if you're searching for wellness, if you're trying to, um, yeah, then, then there's this other path of healing, which, you know, some people describe it as a more maternal or a more matriarchal sort of approach to healing, a more earth-based approach to healing. And it's about looking at what you eat 
and your relationships to other people and to your own body and then also yeah encountering somebody who has that capacity to sit with you and be with you and um and as you say i've heard you say this before this idea of being received i really i love the way that you talk about that and um yeah i'd love to ask you about that like the the nature of healing i've heard you talk about this before what the nature of healing is with with regard to being received by another person for me it's really about listening deep deep listening of what is this person needs right now what what are the wounds here what are the the longings here what are they what are they needing here and um how can we listen listen to all the realms of reality the listen to their inner child listen to their body listen to their wise person how can we listen to the nose listen to the yes listen like deep deep listening and what happens when we really truly listen and meet the client meet someone where they're at so we're not trying to push them or to lead them or to change them we're just trying to we're just meeting them not even trying we're just meeting them where they're at as human as people and um and and for me to meet somebody where they are at it's gives some opportunity to for the clients to be received by us and this is something that a lot of my clients never experienced before what is it to be received fully by another person what does it mean and how does it feel on a somatic level on the body level how does it mean to be received by somebody not not just from words or uh, from the mind but for but also receiving on on the on the inner subtle level of of feeling our body being received by another person like with touch so the the experience of being received by another person is um is something that bonnie talked talks about and i i really take it everywhere i go because where i feel like my clients can be received by me when i can fully receive them and receiving has two ways i need to learn how to receive them and they need to learn or i don't know what's the exact word but to be open to be received too so it's a it's a two way kind of thing it takes time some some people to be received will be so easy and quick and and for some people it will take years and years and years to open up to to re- be received and how can i meet them like session after session when they are actually closed and can i meet them in the in that place that they are closed and not well not able to they want to open up but they're not able to how can you meet them so they slowly can be received session by session drop by drop it takes sometimes it takes years yeah, that, oh, just hearing you talk about it, it just sounds so, <laughs> I don't know why the word delicious comes to mind, but it just sounds delicious and so nourishing. And my whole, you know, body just sort of um, lights up at the idea of fully sinking in and being received by another person. And it sounds really beautiful. Yes, Bonnie uses that image of the sponge with water and um imagine our body is like a sponge our nervous system our body is like a sponge 
And when the sponge is like the experiment of a sponge being in relationship to water, like when the sponge is, is hard and dry, how can water come in? And when the sponge is too, too much water, there is as a sponge, how can water come in either? So it's like this idea of how can we sponge, receiving is about sponging too. It's a developmental movement, basically, from um, Bonnie's work. How can we let somebody in? How can we sponge them or energy or water or whatever it is? It takes awareness and time and practice as well, because a lot of time with developmental trauma, our sponges are pretty dry and we don't, we, we're not able to let in because our sponges are pretty dry. Yeah, I can feel that. I can feel that for sure. And, I, you know, for me, as a, as a man, you know, in, a, in an Australian context where I feel like many men are, you know, taught from a very young age to not feel their feelings, to be a man, to toughen up, princess, etc. All of that kind of, um, yeah, that conditioning, especially, I think, closes us off from this kind of sponging process. Um, and so it's so important for us to, to learn how to be received and to be open to being received. Um, in order to yeah to to feel more fully ourselves. This is something that all our clients want to learn how to receive. It's not a cognitive process because they all want to do that. They all want to receive. They all want to be having that experience in with their partners, with their children, with their loved ones. But they're not able to. So it's not it's not a cognitive process. It's a somatic process energetic process it's somatic process that needs to be practiced in the room with a therapist with a trained therapist um, of how to be met and how to receive session after session even five minutes a session even two minutes a session um, how to learn how to open up to the cells themselves how to open up the the liquid in the cells that i can receive in the moment right now even just two minutes will be like great and they can do it on a somatic level and then it goes to the brain and it goes to other to the world too if i if i learn how to do it with a therapist in the room then it's in me and i can take it outside yes yes i can see that and so it sort of speaks to how how one might go about learning how to do that as a therapist which i'm imagining is by having it done yourself is that was that your journey is this how you learned how to do this kind of work, this process of receiving another person? I was always curious about healing and I always studied so many healing modalities. My journey with, with touch started with a craniosacral uh, therapist and my beloved Ellison Post. And uh, she taught me the world about touch and, and, and healing in relationship. And I, I learned from being on the table with her and learning how my body reacted after years of therapy, of talk therapy and somatic therapy. The work that I did with her for me was so incredible. And I felt, I felt in my body in a somatic level that I knew for the first time what is the cue attachment with her. What is a safe, what is a safe relationship? How my body feels safe in relationship? What is safe? in safety in relationship yes and then of course the work of bonnie and learned from her and worked with her around 
all of those and receiving as well. And it's really taught me so much about what is what is receiving and how how I am um, experiencing the healing from just being received by another person. It sounds so important, Shirley. And at the same time, it is, and, and it seems to me that it's not just important that a therapist does this, but that we all do it, you know, that this becomes a part of our cultural sort of vernacular, that we all can offer this to each other. Seems like a really important thing uh, in terms of the evolution of our culture. To me, that's what I hear, um, and I'm really excited about it. Um, and the potential for this kind of work to be healing for our culture. And at the same time, it seems still so taboo. Uh, there's so much fear in the industry of therapists and, you know, and, and the industry of psychedelics too. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just curious, like, what do you, what do you think's going on here? Why are we so afraid of this kind of thing, this experience? Well, there's many reasons and they're all good reasons. I think that um, there was a lot of abuse of touch in psychotherapy, in our uh, lineage of psychotherapy. Uh, there still is. I think there is there's a lot of abuse of touch in general in the world, of physical touch and sexual touch. And, and um, touch is can be so dangerous too. And we, that can be so harmful, and at the same at the same time, so medicinal when it's been done right. So I think that there is a lot of room for the fears, and there is a lot of room for for us to learn from what happened in the past and what happened, what is not okay, how is touch not being used well? Like there is the the, the the boundaries of what needs to happen for touch to be safe. The boundaries are so important and the training of the therapist is so important to know how we're touching, where we're touching, to know all the nuances of touch from within of me so I will not harm another person. It seems like, um, a, yeah, a big part of the reason why touch is so medicinal right now for us at this time is because of just how harmful it has been as well. And so we're disconnected from an essential part of our nature. I just have this image in my mind of monkeys, you know, uh, little small um, monkeys who run around in, in tribes and, and they, you know, they groom each other, they touch each other, they play with each other. It's a constant um, form of engagement. And, you know, I imagine that that is our history, that is our evolution. Um, but we've kind of come into this civilized way of being where we, we don't do that anymore. Um, but the need is still so primal for that kind of thing when i was in um south america many many years ago i remember uh, i was staying in the sacred valley doing you know medicine work and things like that and there was a local community there that um that did lots of events and uh, all sorts of um connective community events and one of the ones they did was a, a weekly uh, touch night and it was like a you know it wasn't nobody was doing any formal psychotherapy or healing it was just friends and wider community getting together once a week and just touching each other and there was you know strict rules no no sexuality whatsoever and that sort of thing um but just trying to completely undo the the conditioning that we have that that we don't do that um and it was just yeah it was a really joyful and 
and powerful experience to be a part of that. So we've talked, we've jammed a little bit about the nature of receiving someone deeply and the role of touch in that healing work. And I'd, I'd love to shift gears and move into the realm of psychedelics. And, uh, and I know that you have some, some experience working primarily with ketamine. Yes. So yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about your work with ketamine. Well, I think the work with ketamine started with a psychiatrist that encouraged me when we had a shared client that encouraged me to use ketamine with, with my client that, that was grieving her son and, uh, with his guidance, we started to work together. I was just letting myself watching how the touch work and the ketamine together can reach such a profound places that even just the touch work on its own um, couldn't reach alone or it would have taken many more years to reach. So in a way, the ketamine goes quicker to the, to the healing potential of touch and healing for me, as I see it in my practice. A lot of time when people take psychedelics, including ketamine, they have a lot of fears and fear of losing control of ego dissolution or losing, you know, where am I? What's going to happen to me? Am I going to survive? And I'm going to, you know, so much fears and having somebody there just, just holding your hand and just feeling or holding the kidney and just saying, I'm here with you. It's okay. Just feel me. Just helping them to transition into the psychedelic realm is really, really supportive and really helpful to just transition into that uh, state of consciousness. And then when the psychedelics kicks in and it's like they are in a different place, many times trauma comes in. When trauma comes in, sometimes I just hold space and I just stay and I just, uh, I don't use touch. And many times there is a baby in the room or there is somebody young in the room, a two-year-old in a room that needing support and needing touch and they they are not to touch them will be re-traumatizing them again or not attending to them again in the same way as they as as it happened in their childhood before when i work with ketamine um, many times developmental trauma comes up and when it comes up i'm just using touch to support the healing experience that could happen that, oh, there's somebody there for me. I can feel your hand and there's somebody there for me. I'm all alone and all my, by myself. I, and there's nobody in the world there with me. And all of a sudden they feel a supportive hand. And it's a hand that they know and they're familiar with. It's not a new hand. They know me, they know my hand. So it's all of a sudden to feel that in the, the psychedelic, in the ketamine um, experience, it's a tremendously healing experience or to feel sometimes I need to hold clients closely, almost like a baby. And again, to feel that it's something that I never had before. Even, even I'm thinking of a client that she had a good enough mom, but she never knew how really to hold her, how, how really attend to her in a, in a regulated state. Your mom was young and she was anxious and she was nervous and all of that stuff. And she never had the regulation and the co-regulation with her mom. And to feel that for the first time, at, at she's almost 50, 50 year old, to feel that for the first time, it's almost given the body a new opportunity to 
experience something that they never had before. And, and the ketamine can provide that experience, could, a doorway for that experience, that they can actually go there with me. They can feel, they, they, they don't need to feel self-conscious anymore. They're just there and I'm just holding them. I can I, I can see this beautiful relationship between w- what we've talked about before and your description of your work of really deeply receiving another person and then their sort of reciprocal need to be open to being received and how and how you know the process of of getting to that place where they feel ready can be so helped by something like ketamine you know I've I've heard people describe it do, do you know the uh, internal family systems people talk about ketamine. I don't know if you've heard this before, that the, the idea that ketamine just sends the protectors away for a little while. Exactly. That the the protectors exactly. disappear and you're kind of left with yeah. self or and uh, vulnerable exactly. parts. Yeah. That's exactly that? it. I love that. Yes, that's exactly it. And then they can let me in more. And then they can let themselves be held more and be received more. And, and the more of those experiences, the more it's integrated into their body, into the outside world. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, I can imagine, because I hear this a lot, so I, I can, I'm imagining that somebody who is an IFS trained therapist might have a question here about this, because they, I hear often people talking about this really important need to negotiate with the protector parts with somebody before going into a psychedelic session Sometimes it happens. Sometimes I need to, there is a dialogue that I need to talk to the, we need to negotiate and to talk and reassure the protective parts that they're still there, that we're not going, not taking them away. We love them. We appreciate them. Thank you so much for all the work you've done. So of course that needs to happen. That's kind of happens in the beginning of the session before we, it starts to dive in. It has to happen sometimes, especially with people that are very much in their heads. And they learn to use their heads all the time to compensate. And a lot of, I call it a lot of Stanford people. Um, Stanford University, lots of client firms. <laughs> and that are very, very smart. And they come into therapy because their emotional world is so protected. And, and, but they, I need, we, need, we need to talk to the gatekeeper, which are all of those parts that are in the gate the gatekeepers, we need to, to have a relationship with them and have a dialogue with them. Tell them, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Remember, what are we doing here? We're here to hold, we heal to heal, heal some parts inside of you that are tucked really deep inside. And we heal, we're here to heal the two-year-old with their relationship with their dad or kind of reminding the gatekeepers, all those parts, what are we doing and why are we doing and being grateful for them so they can have a seat a little bit. They don't have to run the show right now and they can let in because that's what they really want. They want to let in. They're just, they're just afraid. They're just so afraid and they need the protection. So I think pr- protection work or parts work or all, however name you want to give it, uh, defenses work is so important. It's such an important work. We don't want to break a defense. We don't want to uh, open a defense. We want to negotiate. We want to have a relationship with it. We want to show another way to be in the world that they don't have to go always to the defense, defended place and defense, defenses um, automatically. Yes, 
Okay, that's interesting. And so the the ketamine, perhaps, I'm just wondering then, you know, is it right to be saying that the ketamine sends the protectors away? Or is it perhaps something else that's going on with the protectors, you know? I think it's softening, softening. the protectors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is more room there. There's more room. I don't, there's more room to negotiate. There is the, the you know, I had a client that, the protectors are really, really strong and like they're shielding the chest. And it's it's somatically, it's like the armor of the body is so strong and like all the, the chest is so tucked. And we, I, we don't want to take it away, but the ability to soften that. And once it started to soften, the whole body is starting to shake for like half an hour on ketamine. She doesn't understand why. And I keep telling her, you're okay. Everything is okay. The body is just releasing some old trauma or some uh, something, but you're safe. You are okay. Everything is okay. So just um, it, it's softening the protectors so the body can heal. Yeah, I I, I have an experience that's a bit like that actually with a client without any ketamine. Um, it, it would just be you know we would just take the tiniest step towards that sort of uh, that realm of right brain connection that we're talking about, that receiving, that sort of intimacy. And it would be the, just the tiniest step. And then all of a sudden, the, her, this person's body would need to shake and tremble for, for half an hour because um, there was, there's so much held there around, yeah, that safety and in connection. And I, so I have a follow-up question, which is about, I'm just nerding out on, you know, ketamine right now, and I'm really enjoying this. So I'm curious about now, you know, because I hear, you know, with MDMA therapy, for example, people often, you know, it's like the, the fear and the shame is just vanquished. And then they say things and share things and they, you know, that, that perhaps they might not normally share. And, and I'm not sure if it's quite the same with ketamine. It sounds much more embodied, at least in the way that you're working. But there is this sort of idea of like a shame hangover that people have after medicine sessions where they're, they're, they're quite concerned or afraid that they've, you know, or, or ashamed of things that they've said in the context of that medicine session. You know, there's this follow-up integration work, which can be quite important around creating that reassuring container around those feelings that might arise. Is that something that you, that you experience with this ketamine work as well? Is that a part of the process here or is that quite different? My work is, is first of all relational. So it's first of all they are my clients and I know each other really well, and um, so it's the ketamine in service for the relational work. So what happen, whatever happens uh, in the ketamine is a great material to work to keep working with in the next session without ketamine. I don't necessarily have that experience of a lot of shame from clients. I don't, because we built we built a relationship that they feel comfortable to share with me what's happening. And sometimes there is not understanding what happened. I, like what happened, I don't understand. Why was I shaking? Or uh, how come I went to that little baby place? And can you explain that to me? But less so of a of a shame, because we we take our time to get there with the ketamine. It's not like something that we do from the get-go. It takes many, many sessions 
before we introduce ketamine to build a relationship between us. But if shame comes, shame is, shame is part of developmental trauma. If shame comes, I know this is the territory that we're working on. It's developmental trauma. And let's uh, tell me about it. And let's feel it in the body. And like, what, how, do you, how is it for you to tell me about it right now? What are you experiencing? Um, so this is part of the work. Fascinating stuff. And I'm curious about, you know, if there's anything happening for you right now um, in your world with touch and psychedelic therapy that's really like capturing your interest or capturing, you know, something that's really, uh, yeah, enamoring for you at the moment. I think that what I want to add is that as, as the psychedelic becomes more and more uh, used and in the world and, and researched and in, in psychotherapy, I think that what I want to share is that psychedelic is an amazing way to heal in so many levels, but the and the the guide or the therapist that with them are as important with the work with the psychedelic. And uh, many times when we work with psychedelic, we meet um, developmental trauma or relational trauma there. So yeah. the client can go to a vortex of relational developmental trauma. The therapist needs to know how to attend to that. And when relational trauma, developmental trauma revealed itself in psychedelic, we really need to know how to be there with them. And that has to be with touch and has to be when, when not to touch and how to ask for consent to touch. And asking consent on psychedelic is so, so important. And some people will say, but you know what, we're in the middle and we can't. And I said, yes, please ask all the time. Please ask because the cells needs these questions and the part of the brain needs this question and the part of the consciousness, then please ask, is it okay if I touch you right now? Is it okay if I put a hand on you right now? Because when we had developmental trauma, most likely we never were asked consent for touch. And in general, consent to touch is not something that we know how to practice. Part of us bringing back touch to the healing, to, to this world is, it comes with learning how to ask for consent to touch. And consent to touch means that it's an ongoing nonverbal consent to touch. All the time to ask, is it okay? How does it feel? How would you like to be touched? Is that a good time right now? Is this a good place right now? Do you want it differently? Do you want me to move here? The ongoing consent to touch has to take place with, with safe use of touch and psychedelic. Um, otherwise, there is a lot of room for harm. If we practice consent to touch on an ongoing way, even with our children, even with our friends, and especially on medicine, I think we um, can have the benefit of, of touch and the healing potential potential of touch without the harm. I really, I really resonate with what you're saying. And it reminds me that so often I'm engaging in these conversations about psychedelic therapy and, and we talk about the role of touch and psychedelic therapy as if it's this um, extra thing that we can do. You know, it's this uh, adjunct to psychedelic therapy that enables, you know, maybe better outcomes or such. Um, but what you're saying reminds me that 
no, that it's not it's not quite like that. If we're going to work with psychedelics, then um, invariably we are going to be working with that really deep developmental trauma um, amongst people. And we shouldn't be focusing, yes, we need to focus on the risk of touching, but we also need to focus on the risk of not touching and the responsibility that we have to hold people when their you know, inner children come to the surface, um, essentially asking for or needing that, that nurturing, receiving touch. And if we are not able to provide that in that moment, then yeah, what, what further damage we might be doing. And so if we're going to do this work, then I think, yeah, we have a responsibility to learn how to safely touch. Um, it's not, yeah, it's not an extra on top of, it's a, it, it lies at the foundation of this work. I really, I really think so too. And, and when you learn how to touch, you also learn what, how not to touch and, and, and what, and when not to touch, because there are times that you need to back off and it, it to give space and, and, and you need to know when touch starts and when touch ends, and then you need to back off especially if you're working around differentiation and separation and autonomy, this is where, you know, you need to step out of the way, out of the way and let them have the space. So it's really uh, important working developmentally to learn, to learn when to touch and when not to touch. It's it's part of the, it's part of the therapeutic work. I want to, I want to nerd out with you more, Shirley, and hear all about uh, how do we navigate this, uh, the, the, the autonomy, the need for distance versus the need for closeness and, and how we actually work as a psychotherapist. But we are sort of nearing the end of our time today. So, yeah, I just want to, I want to really express my gratitude to you and the work that you do. I can really feel that you embody everything that you say in the work that you do. Uh, yeah so thank you for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom and hopefully we can do this again and get into the that later material is there anything that you would um anyone anything else that you would like to add or share before we close this off i think we covered pretty good there's a few things but i think this is good for now this is good yeah, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm so glad that we with sharing this information and sharing our passion and our and and I want to come back actually just in the end. You said this is important not just for therapists but but for our world. And this is I, I want to come back to that because I share the same vision of bringing this work somehow, not just for psychotherapists but for for the world. And um, how can we really teach our children, our gen- future generations, safe touch and safe relationship and healthy relationships? And in a way that feels right and feels good and feels uh, empowering, this is something that I'm really passionate about as well as you. Yeah, yeah. This is our cultural healing journey yes. that we're on right yes. now, and and touch yes. and safe touch mm-hmm. is such a foundational part of that. So, okay. yes. Thank you, Shirley. Thank and, you, Thomas. Uh, thank you, listeners. We hope that you enjoyed this. Um, this session about touch and psychedelic psychotherapy. We'll catch you next time. Adios. Thank you.
That concludes this episode. We hope you found it meaningful and integrative. Remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Spotify and kindly share the link with your friends and colleagues. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at info at punktherapy.com. And remember to punk your inner wisdom. <laughs>